Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. If you listen to the podcast, you know we bring you conversations with coaches, players, broadcasters, etc. Today's guest, somebody who I think has done a really nice job down in Corvallis at Oregon State, heading into his seventh season. Wayne Tinkle, he's got to be excited because the Pac-12 finally changed their stance and is allowing games. So, Coach, thanks for joining. How's life in Corvallis? Hey, everything's great. Good to be with you, buddy. We're, we're excited to be uh, getting underway here. So a couple days ago, the Pac-12 announced that they're going to kind of re- loosen some of the early restrictions they had for basketball, allow you guys to play before January 1st. I'm sure that set forth an avalanche of planning that had to have been done, whether practice planning or trying to figure out your schedule. Where are you with everything going on right now? Yeah, a little bit of a scramble with uh, regards to scheduling, obviously, with those early games uh, removed from from our schedule. And and now there's uh, numerous MTEs that are trying to, to pop up to, to make sure we can get our full complement of 27 games in. Uh, we're trying to put something together here in Corvallis with Cal as a partner um, to sure we, we hit that number. But um, as far as practice, we're now allowed starting tomorrow here on our campus to go full bore with our preseason eight hours a week. October 15th, it will open up in earnest to the full 20 hour uh, a week uh, practice uh, schedule. So our guys, I'm telling you, Dan, when they got the word we were, we were gonna be hitting it this, this week, uh, you, you could imagine the excitement and the enthusiasm They've, they've been doing everything uh, that's been asked of them to stay healthy, to follow the rules, um, and, and now they get the chance to take it to the court. So um, we're, we're fired up, and we'll, we'll iron out the scheduling details and everything, but really right now um, that in combination with, with setting up a schedule for the preseason uh, is really what's uh, taking up the bulk of our time, obviously, with, with recruiting and and what that entails these days, basically phone calls and Zoom calls. But uh, we're ramping it up. I'm excited to uh, see how college basketball settles these tournaments or puts in quasi-bubbles to allow as many games to be played as possible. And hopefully I'll be able to cover a number of your games this season. But the coronavirus pandemic started in, in mid-March when everything was shut down. And 
you could look at it one of two ways. You can look at it, okay, well, I'm just going to hang out and do nothing. Or you can attack each day and try to get better for when the opportunity comes for, for the next season. Obviously, we're now on the cusp of the next season. When you look at you and your coaching staff, you probably had a break that you've never, ever had before being in the coach industry. How did you improve or maybe tweak your philosophy or what you want to do at Oregon State um, with so much, and I, I don't want to say time on your hands, but so much ability to reflect as opposed to the everyday grind of a college coach? Yeah, that's a great point because uh, I'll, I'll be honest, when it first hit us, you know, it was like uh, a real uh, punch to the gut. Uh, and, and, and we're not afforded that amount of time at the end of a season. Uh, so it was really kind of, hey, take a couple weeks, make sure your family's right. Um, we made sure all of our players got home safely, stayed in touch with them. Uh, but then it was like, okay, this is what is going to be in front of us. We don't know for how long. So let's find a way, you know, to continue the grind. And and so, you know, there were a lot of, you know, webinars online, basketball clinics online we were involved with, watching film. You know, each coach, we, we watched a number of our games from not just this past year, the past couple of years. Um, other teams, you know, trying to, hey, what can we bring to the table next year that can help us get better? Because we, we didn't know there was going to be a delay with, with the start of this season. Um, so we tried to work on ourselves as coaches, um, the X and O stuff, continuing to recruit all the while. But then also, as, as we went a little bit further, you saw a lot of the, the, the social justice concerns. And so now all of a sudden, we weren't just dealing with the pandemic with regards to our players and what was going through their heads, but everything else going on in our society. So we were having weekly team Zoom calls, just making sure we were having great communication. Um, we were providing leadership when asked, but really listening to our guys and letting them air a lot of what was on their chest and on their minds and helping all, you know, one another get through that whole deal. So we were, we were dealing with a lot. And, and for a little while, I'll be honest, basketball, was probably the first, furthest thing from our minds. It was making sure that these guys were in a great mental state. And I'll tell you, it was great for, for me, I know individually, just I felt a connection to the guys that maybe wouldn't have come, you know, through some of the other stuff. So we really grew a lot as a program. We grew individually um, and, and had some great communication through it all. Now it's like, man, the, the bubble's going to burst. We can – get back out on the floor and, and, and do what we're expected to do. So uh, a, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of growth, I think, in the last six months. You mentioned social justice and talking to your, your team about that. I come from the mind frame of the fact that if society could be like a, a basketball team or a sports team, so many of the disagreements or uh, non -under misunderstandings would be cleared up. I fell in love with the game at an early age. I've had teammates from every single background that you can imagine. I'm sure you did in your 12-year professional playing career. And you now coach a lot of guys from so many backgrounds. How important is it to you as you recruit players to understand who they are, maybe who their family is, and then put that all together with a group to work? 
It's it's huge, and 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 you know, if you add to that, you have to understand or or make it make it be clear what the expectations are from their side initially, because if 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 they don't have a great grasp of reality, you know, there's there's going to be issues. You but you do. We have to spend more time getting to know the families than than ever before to understand what the influences were around these young men uh, as they were raised. But, uh, you know, as families do, you go through some ups and downs, some hurdles. And and our whole deal here at Oregon State is if we continue to work, continue that grind, but show love and respect for one another, you're going to get through those differences. Um, but, But going into it, you've got to understand and make clear what the expectations are, what your demands are going to be, and what you expect from from the individuals, and I think you see so many transfers. You, you know, you you talk about another thing that's uh, you know really really hitting basketball and, and other sports hard. I think a lot of those things aren't made clear going in, and so um, then then you have the issues you run into, and you have the kids that are leaving just trying to go look for greener grass or look for an easier process. So um, more now more than ever, we're trying to get a lot of those things answered. Uh, but before we ever get them on campus, for sure. Yeah, well put with so many of those things you just, just described. Oregon State is in a unique position this year from an outsider's perspective, and you might not look at it the same way, um, because your son, Trace Tinkle, who you've coached over the last five years, one of them being a redshirt year, was such an integral part of what you guys did. Um, I don't think he necessarily got the credit nationally for the impact that he had wins and losses for you guys, but he's a guy who, uh, to use a baseball term, he was a five tool guy. He could do a number of different things and he did them really well at a high level. How do you replace his production? And I'm sure as a dad, you're going to miss coaching him. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and you're right. I, you know, I'll miss, in those key moments when we're in a huddle, um, you know, and, and, and just knowing that uh, whether it's on the defensive or offensive end, he, he's going to make the right play, the confidence that that, that gives you uh, as a coach. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, there's the fact that we've had him and, and the Thompson brothers, a lot of people have used that against us in recruiting. Like we were going to base the whole program just on our kids. Um, now, they were really good players, and obviously, we'll all have left uh, an indelible mark on our program. But uh, it's going to be a challenge, but it's also going to give others an opportunity to really step up, um, you know, and show their worth. So uh, I- I'm looking forward to kind of getting that behind us and now moving forward, you know, without always having to answer, you know, that question with recruits or with other people, you know, is everything based around your son? And, you know, if you look at it, y- y- you mentioned what he's done in his career. The 24 years before we got here, there was only two winning seasons. And in, in his four years, uh, there, there were three winning seasons, one season where we were 500 coming off a year where we only won five games when we were devastated with injury. So uh, a lot of wins and doing it the right way. But more than just scoring, you know, he's second all-time uh, rebounder in, in our school's history, uh, top 10 in assists and steals. So there'll be other guys that'll step up and, and, you know, it's kind of like baptism by fire. Whoever's going to be put in that position um, is going to have to really, you know, step up and, and answer the call. But we have other players that have had great experience in the program 
uh, Ethan Thompson, Zach Reichel, Alfred Hollins, the new guys we've added, um, you know, are, are looking forward to the challenge. And, you know, we're looking forward to coaching them up. Yeah, those are some uh, phenomenal numbers that you throw out there because you did mention the struggles of Oregon State over the last 20 years or so before you started getting the program in the right direction. But anybody who grew up in the Northwest or really followed college basketball in general across the country knew in the 70s and 80s just how good Oregon State was under Ralph Miller and then Jimmy Anderson had a nice little run. But they had the National Player of the Year in Gary Payton, uh, I want to say, in 1990-91. So, you know, if you get the right guys and if you get the right culture built, which I, I feel you're doing, there is a chance to have success. No, for sure. And, and I tell you, you know, we had some really good years at Montana and had opportunities to, to go elsewhere. Um, and my closest friends, you know, I said, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. This is a special place. It'll take a special place to draw us away. And then when we came to Oregon State, my buddies are like, man, coach, they're, you're going from the top of a conference to a team that's been at the bottom. But I said, remember those glory days and the years you've mentioned. And, you know, throughout A.C. Green, Charlie Sitton, Steve Johnson, th those were some great, great eras uh, in Oregon State basketball history. And we knew exactly what you said. If we get the right people in place and can establish our culture, we can get back to that time. In 1990, I think it was – uh, Sports Illustrated did an article on the four winningest programs in Division One history. Oregon State was in the top four, and so you know, not people people forget there was a proud history, and we're challenged with the task and excited for the challenge uh, to get back to that to, to that type of uh, history. You mentioned it was uh, going to have to be a special place to pull you away from Montana. If anybody listening to this doesn't know uh, a little bit of your background, you played at Montana. You got your coaching start at the collegiate level at Montana, and then your first head coaching gig was at Montana. I can only imagine it was difficult to leave, as you mentioned, but talk about your progression as a player through Montana, and then you go to, to play professionally, the draw to go back to Montana and start your coaching career. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's funny. If you go way back, I almost canceled my visit to Montana because I thought, man, what, what's there for me? And, and we didn't have the AAU circuit like, like there is now. So you didn't really get uh, on the national scene. Although I, I was invited to a big tryout. We were going to go to Russia and play in this deal sponsored by 7-Up. And uh, that was going into my senior year. Um, but Montana, once I visited, my dad said, well, who have you connected with the most? And, and it was Montana and Gonzaga. I went over to Montana and just kind of fell in love with that blue collar us against the world. Mike Montgomery was the head coach. Stu Morrill was the assistant who recruited me by and large, played at Gonzaga. And uh, I just felt a real connection. So you go there, I redshirt, play a year for Mike Montgomery. Then he moves on to Stanford. Uh, Stu Morrill took over. We just loved our time there. Anybody that spent time in Missoula really appreciates the college town, the people there. And, and so it developed a real pride for what made Montana what it was. And it was really character, toughness, us against the world type mentality. And then I went on and was fortunate enough to play for a number of years after. Didn't know that I wanted to go into coaching, but I, I had an injury towards the end of my career and spent a lot of time rehabbing on campus at Montana working out with their players. They were calling me in to, to work them out after their practices in season. 
and I started to get a real kind of love and passion uh, for having an impact on the next generation. Then I had an opportunity. Don Holst was the head coach. Spot opened up. I was about ready to go back to Europe. And uh, he said, hey, we'd love to have you on our staff. We've, we've seen you work with these guys. We'd love to get your blood back in the program. And that's what started it. And um, coached with him, Pat Kennedy and Chris Goyek, Larry, uh, were the three head coaches I was kind of groomed under and, and then got the opportunity, um, you know, after just five years as an assistant uh, to take over the program and really feel blessed for our time there. We enjoyed some great success and uh, a lot of great friends and great memories. But uh, just that, that, that opportunity to coach at the place you played and, and have so many of the people that supported you as a player still there, supporting you as a coach and a staff, uh, was really an incredible experience. You mentioned some, some really good coaches that have been kind of plugged in or been the head coaches uh, or influential in the Montana program. Mike Montgomery, Storm, Stu Morrill who I, I don't think enough people realize how good a coach he was because of what he did at Utah State as well. And then Larry Kostowiak uh, being another one. Who would you consider your coach's mentor that in you building your own philosophy, you maybe took the most from them? Uh, you know, two that really stand out. One, one was our varsity football coach at Ferris High School up on the South Hill there. He was the junior varsity basketball coach. In my sophomore year after playing all summer with the varsity and all the tournaments around the state. Uh, we played our first four non-league games. We had a new head coach, and I think he got a lot of pressure from the parents of the older kids. You know, that, hey, this sophomore can't come in now and play over our kids that are seniors. So they sent me down to JV. We practiced at 6 in the morning, and I pouted my way first through the first two or three practices, I think. And Ray Hare was his name. He called me in his office and he ripped me upside down and sideways, told me the best thing for me was to be on JV playing every minute of every game. And that was going to be good for my junior and senior year. He and I still talk monthly, uh, was really a good uh, influence on me with how to approach things as a player and then as a coach, how to deal with some issues that we went through. So he was a real mentor. And then Stu Morrill later on, uh, just the, the way he went about his work daily, the way he approached the game and what was essential uh, are things that, and he and I talked throughout the season, uh, trying to get, you know, get some info from him. Um, those, those two probably made the biggest, the biggest mark. And then of late, I've really gotten closer with Mike Montgomery the last three or four years. You know, as he's done a handful of our games, we see each other at meetings uh, with the Pac-12 on the Nike trips. Uh, so those, those, those three were big. And, you know, we can't forget Judd Heathcote and his time at Montana and then running, running into him in Spokane over the years. And uh, I got to throw out, you know, Don Munson, too, running into him. You can always pick some things up. And, you know, obviously we, we lost Judd a number of years ago. But um, those are some of the old school guys that always kind of give you a little bit of a reminder how to keep your feet on the ground and uh, not let your head get too big and, and, and stay grounded. Some really good names that you mentioned there. But, you know, the fact that Mike Montgomery does a lot of what I do during the college basketball season and the, the color analyst work for, for different networks. I remember years ago, Coach Few made a comment to me after a Gonzaga, I think it was Santa Clara game, where he thought I was almost cheering for Santa Clara because I made a comment that they made a good play. Now, when you as a coach go back and 
watch game film? Do you watch it with audio on or off? And then do you make a mental note of, say, Mike Montgomery, who you've got a, a really close relationship with? Maybe he made a comment that maybe didn't sit well with you or maybe he made a comment that made you reflect on something that maybe you miss when you're looking at your team. Yeah, you know, we're probably about 50-50. There's times when we have the staff and we're just trying to watch the X's and O's of things that will will turn off the volume. But I know when I'm back home and, and watching these games, it's, it's you, know, you, you want to try to pick up, you know, some things. And, you know, you guys do such a great job of uh, there's never any negativity to a play call or a substitution. But there's always some interesting perspective from time to time that sometimes might, hey, you know what, I didn't think about that in that moment, which helps you for the next time you may be in that situation. So uh, it's, it's great to learn. And uh, shoot, if, if there's a head coach out there that, that thinks they've got all the, uh, all the answers, I don't know that there's probably many of them out there. We're always looking to improve, uh, you know, and pick up things uh, from people that have great knowledge about the game. You and I have talked about this in the past and, and when I've been at your guys' shoot-arounds and preparing to, to broadcast Oregon State games. We have a lot of high school coaches that listen to this that maybe coach their sons. What would your biggest recommendation be for somebody in a situation like that? Because you've been through it at the highest level at college with your son, Trace. Yeah, I, I think the big thing um, w- would be to really draw the line early. You know, listen, when we're on the court, it's player and coach. And when we're off the court, you know, we're going to be father and son. Now, inevitably, there's going to be times that you crisscross that. but. Um, I think it's really important for that to be to be made known. And and I'll, I'll say this, I was very firm on Trace because I, I knew we were going to need him later in his freshman year, um, along with the other freshmen. That class was probably the hardest that I've, I've ever been on because we knew for us to be successful that year, they were going to have to come along a little more quickly. Um, and and he, he admits now that as tough a player as he was on the court, he probably wasn't tough enough mentally to handle that. And he said, as he's matured, he, he knew that that was just me as a coach. He'd, he'd not seen me day to day. He'd sneak into a practice every once in a while when he was a little kid, but he really didn't understand what dad was like on the practice court. And I remember even getting criticized early on as a head coach that I was too nice a guy, uh, you know, during games. And I said, well, come to, come to our locker room or come to practices, you know, and, and, Game time, it's it's you got to be relaxed and calm over there and let your guys play. Otherwise, they're going to take that personality on. Trace had to learn that. But the next the next big thing, and, and I, I got this from Greg McDermott because I called him early on to ask some advice uh, about this exact situation. Um, obviously, his son was a, was a heck of a player for him. But I said, give me some advice. And he goes, you got to let him have an outlet, okay, his son being Doug. He said, in our family, our wife my, or my wife, his mom, is our outlet. Because, Coach, if he's playing for somebody else, you're probably going to be his outlet. You know, he's going to call home to you and say, gosh, I'm dealing with this or that. So we established that. And, and my wife, it was like a ping pong match. She was going back and forth at times listening to me, listening to Trace. But it gave him somebody to talk to, to be a little bit of a sounding board. And then she was able to help filter some things to kind of calm the storm. But, but really was kind of 
that initial beginning of the season, you know, the intensity, that's the biggest thing I think that the transition kids don't understand from high school to college is the level of intensity, but, but love them up, you know, don't, don't give them so much freedom that you're going to, you're going to have resentment from the other players. The fact that Trace was one of our better players, you always hear you've got to be hardest on your better players to get the respect of everybody else on the team. That's, that's what we did. And if there were some wrinkles during, during the time, we found a way to get through them. But um, I've got no regrets looking back because I know Trace earned everything he got. We were fair and true and consistent to the process. And, you know, he had an incredible career. And I think we've, we've developed a bond, Dan, that I don't think we could have in any other situation if I wasn't his head coach. So we're going to have some, some lifelong memories through some great times and some lessons we learned through some of the tough ones. It was definitely fun watching his career. I, I hope he gets a, an opportunity at the next level where, you know, he can make the most of it because quite frankly, so many guys just have to be in that right spot. They might have the skills, they might have the mindset, but if you're not in the right team at the next level, it's not going to matter. And hopefully he can find that opportunity early. Last question, coach, before I let you go. And, and this kind of goes back to the start of our conversation where I asked you kind of about how did you spend some time early in, in the, the quarantine the, of the pandemic of improving, but also you had a chance to probably get away. What has become or what is your outlet as a coach? Well, golf, golf has been uh, a fun thing for me. Um, you know, when I was playing still after college, when I came home to Montana in the offseason, I did a lot of fishing. Um, and, and then as we started, our kids started getting a little bit older, I, I needed something that was maybe didn't take quite, quite as long. And, you know, you can go golf, play nine holes, play 18 holes. I had a great deal. My wife always said, hey, you can golf every day of the week as long as you're home by noon. So I'd tee it up by seven o'clock every morning, be home by noon. And the guys that were playing at seven in the morning were older guys, right? So that's where I learned a little bit, you know, short game and, and, and how to play. That's, that's lost me in the years. I'm not as good as I used to be. But more recently, I've probably gotten back to some things other than, you know, a competitive things. Like I, I'm ultra competitive and sometimes to a fault, especially on the golf course, I've picked up reading again, which, um, you know, was big for me through my playing years overseas and a lot of time on the road, um, listening to music. Uh, that's really been part of my therapy. Um, you know, it may sound a little silly, but trying to expand the genres that I listen to um, from classical to jazz to some hip hop to old school rock. Uh, it's very soothing to me, and, and it allows me to kind of clear my mind, stay, stay fresh and clear with, uh, you know, eliminating the clutter, keeping me focused. Family time is probably my number one uh, deal to take away stress. It's just I'm fortunate that everyone in my family's played the game at a high level. They get it. Um, they've helped me through some of those times we talked about with, with Trace, uh, even though um, he probably resented it because he seemed like four on one at times, but just, just the love and the respect that we have for each other. And then the appreciation of the game and, and all that that can, can do to you. Um, th those have been some real calming influences for me. And, and I'll, I'll say it, and, and I'm sure every coach would admit it. The last six months 
has been un unbelievable. The things that we've had thrown at us and what we've had to deal with and the fact that we've gotten through it, we think by and large for the most part um, and, 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 and really have grown as people and as a program through it all um, says a lot. So th those are a few of the things I rambled a little bit there, but you, I feel like as a coach, you've got to have some kind of an outlet or something to take away, um, you know, some of the stress, um, you know, that this game can, can bring to us all. And family's always there, but, um, and, and it's great, but you also need a, a thing or two to, to kind of get you away and, and, and get you a fresh perspective. I would agree. I've recently gotten back to trying to read much more. Um, I love the fact that you had that agreement of as long as you're home at, by 12 after playing golf, all is good. So I might have to try to try to steal that one, <laughs> and then maybe my handicap will kind of go in the right direction as well. Yeah. So, uh, Coach, I really appreciate you joining. Uh, I look forward to the college basketball season kicking off, and hopefully I'll be able to cover a couple Oregon State games this year. So for SB Live Sports – my, my name is Dan Dickow, and I appreciate all your time. Thanks, buddy. Great to be with you. All the best. Awesome. Well, the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.